Welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey. And I'm Shanik. And we're so grateful for all of our listeners who tune in every single week. If you haven't already, leave a review. If you haven't already, share this podcast on your social media platforms. We appreciate that greatly. Absolutely. And for all of you who have already shared, thank you so much. Matter of fact, this past week, we had more listens in a one-week span in the history of our podcast. In the history. In the history. Is that it's, even a thing? Like since week one, like yeah. we, we even beat week one's numbers and week week two's numbers, which were the highest so far. And then we kind of got in this valley, but man, we're on, we're on the mountaintop, bro. And we're, it feels good. <laughs> it's probably because we talked about some potentially controversial subjects. I thought we handled it pretty well. I think we, we handled it pretty well too. And honestly, if you think we handled it pretty well, man, give us a shout. We'd love yeah. to hear how and you received it. We are going to be going after another subject today, but before we get yeah. into that, we have, we're pretty excited. Some exciting news, really exciting news. What are we doing this weekend? This weekend, Corey and I are releasing our book A called brand Transitioned. New book. Your first book My ever. first book. And not going to lie, it's my first book, but I really don't know how I fully feel about it because I gave you all of my preaching notes. Some of it was written out word for word, or I took the time to write out like my thoughts and paragraph and in conversation. Mm -hmm. And I gave it to you. And then you kind of were my ghostwriter, if you will. And so you kind of orchestrated it all. And then my man and our man, Cody Tevis, put it together in a design booklet. And it is freaking amazing. It's pretty cool. It's so cool. I mean, it's not like a chapter book. It is more just like a coffee table read. You can get through it in 20 or 30 minutes, but we're actually so excited about it that we made the decision just today that everybody who comes on Sunday is actually going to get a free copy. Matter of fact, one per family, not every single person that comes, but one per family. You show up this Sunday and you are getting a free copy of our brand new book. So the question of the week is, is why should people be looking forward to this release? Yeah, you should want this book, number one, for freedom. I know we, we, uh, we took some time to write this because we realized there are people in the church today that still live in what we called mixture, which is just a blending of old covenant with new covenant. And because... The Old Covenant, the Old Testament is still in our Bibles. Many people think that they have to follow all of the laws or the rules of that Old Covenant system. But Jesus came um, to fulfill that for us so that we wouldn't have to live by that covenant anymore. He instituted a new covenant, which we also believe was fully established in 70 AD at the destruction of the temple. But hey, I don't want to give any more away. You can read it in the book, but man, I would say the number one reason that you should look forward to this book is for a new found freedom. Yeah, it kind of helps you understand how to read the Bible in a very simple format. The book is titled Transitioned. We did a sermon series in 2019 as a church, and we pretty much unpacked those four weeks in a simple read, and you can get it this Sunday. Sunday. We're super excited about that. So show up to Hill City. And if if for some reason you're not able to make it, you can still get the book, but it'll cost you. It'll cost you. A little bit of money. Ten Ten bucks. bucks. You can get it at any time after this Sunday at Hill City. It'll be uh, in our merch area. Or also you can get it online. It'll be on our website, hillcity.tv. Also, a third way is right now uh, we're establishing dates Uh, to be in the community, whether it's Coffee Crossing or a few places like that. And Mm -hmm. we will release those dates and times where we will be. And you can swing by, grab a coffee. 
we might buy you a coffee if you hey, show yeah. up and man, come buy the book there. Yeah. And over the next couple podcasts, starting next week, we will be going in a little depth yeah. of what we mean by some of the things we wrote about. So Yeah. And so if you want to save that $10, you can just listen to the podcast the next few weeks and we will go in depth to every part to this book and we will dissect it. We will talk about it. We will talk about why we included that in this book. Um, but don't say the $10, get it. It's amazing. Matter of fact, if nothing else, just for the picture and the design and artwork that Cody Tevis did on it, it is beautiful. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Pursue Media. <laughs> just so yeah, you know, if you, you need go. any media, you can contact Cody. He will yeah, Video work, graphic you. work, design work, wedding photography, videography. I think I already said that. He's the man. He's, He's the, the man. MVP. So Pursue this week, media. we are talking about... Let's go. Hell. Hell. Why? Why are we talking about this? Well, I'll, I'll get that in, in a second. But, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've hit on some pretty hot topics, and we hope that you've gone through it. If you are just listening to this episode first, we encourage you to go back a couple episodes and start yeah, at least with the, the last three episodes. Start with the episode, You're Not Broken. You're not broken. And we kind of touched on sin nature. We kind of touched on the question, are all people going to heaven last week? I thought we unpacked it pretty well, pretty fairly, pretty unbiasedly. Uh, answered some different questions instead, because I don't think that those questions are really the main issue here. And so those topics have ultimately led us to today's topic, today's conversation. Yeah, and Around the idea of hell. Around and that's why I asked why. And it's because of that. Like the topics we've been covering, it's kind of forced us to talk about this because again, when we release these podcasts, there are people that reach out and they might have questions or they might have perceptions and we just kind of want to address that, you know, because we've, we've gotten feedback. Well, if that's true, then what about this? Well, then mm -hmm. what about that? Then what about that? And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we're not going to be able to unpack everything about hell in one, like 20 to 30 minute episode. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to actually probably save that and let you guys in on even what we believe about it at a later time yep. fully when we can actually take some time and go in depth. Again, we we're talking about the book the next few weeks and we want to do that because it's released. And so again, this is just going to be a snapshot. We're just throwing some, not only ideas out there, but giving some history and just some context to the idea of hell and really just lay a framework and a groundwork for conversation to begin. Yep. So today we're going to touch on the history and the origin of hell, give you some book materials if you want to go further in this conversation. But here's the premise. The sad reality is not many people can talk accurately, accurately about the love of God, but almost all people, whether they believe in Jesus or not, have a concept of hell. Yeah. And I would say a very descriptive and in-depth concept or ideology of hell mm -hmm. when they cannot walk around accurately talking about the love of God in its truest form. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how, how, how full and rich and in-depth that really is. They would rather focus on hell. Yeah. And so this is actually a topic that I have personally studied for several years. There's a lot of people that are smarter and brighter and are on both sides of the argument here. We, again, we're not, we're not coming at this to uh, dissect what you believe about it, but rather to give you some context and some history. Because when I found out some of this history on this topic, I was like, there's no way. I've, I've been told my whole life about this specific thing or it's, it's this view 
Right. And I had no idea that there were other views, other accepted views in academia world. Didn't even know like the history of the origin, just always assumed everyone believed what I believed about this subject. So that's why we're going to take some time to unpack yeah. this. You probably have never heard about this, some of the things that we are going to unpack. I know Bishop Jamie Englehart is going to be releasing a paid-for uh, class right. that goes in, in his a, Awaken Academy. In his Awaken Academy. It's an in-depth. He, he's hoping to actually have it be something where people in uh, academia can get uh, credits for because mm-hmm. it's going to be something that's super in-depth. I think like six to eight hours or something like that of teaching on this subject. So we'll, we'll let you know when that comes around and then we'll, we'll do a later podcast on this, but we just kind of wanted to give you just s- some background and history on it. Yeah. So hell, it actually originated in Norse paganism and it means the place of the dead that weren't chosen to go elsewhere. It also is used to designate the Norse goddess of the underworld. And actually, I actually sat through uh, Jamie's class, and when he said that the word hell was added to the canon by the Germans in the 8th century, that was something that was new for me, Right, and I had already studied the subject in depth. And so I haven't yeah. fact-checked that. that yeah, yet, no, and I've but, looked that up, and it is like in the 700s. Wow. And it's a it comes from a German word, and for me, that was interesting because now when someone asks, well, what's your view on hell, I have to stop a minute and, and think through maybe their lens, but also now my new perspective of, okay, uh, and, and we're going to get in this in just a minute, but like, what, what, what are, what hell are you talking about? Because yeah. also it is made up and compromised or comprised of four different words. And we'll get into a little bit, but it changed my perspective here in that too. Yeah. And I know, so what started my personal journey was I actually found out in Young's literal translation, which is a word for word translation of, of the Bible. Do you know how many times the word, the English word hell is in the Bible? No idea. Zero times, according Mm. to Young's little translation. And when I read that, I was like, huh, I actually need to study this a lot. And that revelation kind of also gave me the revelation of addressing this issue when people just blindly make statements like, oh, the Bible clearly says this, Mm. or the Bible is clear about hell because hell is in your English translation. And although hell is in your English translation, the original, like this word doesn't actually exist. And we're going to unpack what those four words are in in just a minute. But I thought that was fascinating. And that really started my journey of understanding or really diving into hell. And speaking of when people say, well, the Bible clearly says, what always gets me with this idea and conversation around hell is that Paul, the apostle Paul, right, who wrote most of the New Testament, he does not talk about it one time in any of his 14 epistles. Hmm. Peter, John, Jude, never mention it. In the book of Acts, there are several recorded sermons that the young and early apostles would have given or did give and they didn't mention it. So it was not a centerpiece of the gospel presentation. Matter of fact, not only was it not a centerpiece, it wasn't even included at all in this good news conversation. Mm-hmm. So why do we always want to go right there right now? So let's, let's, let's just get yeah. a little bit more. Over the last this. 200 years, hell has been the main drive for moving people into a relationship with God. And although we're going to unpack some things on, on what hell truly is based on the words that are actually written in Hebrew and Greek, I think it's a shame when people scare others into the arms of a loving God. That, that is, 
anticlimactic. That's an oxymoron. That should never be used. Hell should never be used in our gospel presentation of the good news of who Jesus is. But unfortunately, it tends to be the main centerpiece. And why is it the main centerpiece? Well, one, I think, well, let me back up real quick. I think it was last week or the week before his podcast where we talked about how it's God's goodness or his kindness Mm -hmm. that Romans Romans 2, 4. Yeah. And that it's that kindness that leads us to repentance. So it should never be done out of a out of a fear based message. Matter of fact, um, John, when he's writing his letter in First John, it says, "Perfect love cast out all fear." Mm-hmm. And so, if we're truly talking about the good news and the love of God, it should remove all fear based messages. Yeah, it's actually heresy to use it. Weird. Wow. <laughs> okay, so why what why has it become a centerpiece of our gospel presentation? Well, it's become a, it's be I think it's become a centerpiece just because. Um, fear can be used as a motivator. Yeah. And so it's also used because actually, if we think about it in, in the early church history, there were actually six theological uh, schools. And for the first three or 400 years of the church, these six schools actually taught um, people like just things of God, like mm-hmm. theology and right doctrine and right. It was early on. So they're trying to establish, you know, wh- where they wanted to align on all kinds of issues and topics. And the crazy thing was of these six schools, four of the six, six in the very beginning actually taught what's known as ultimate reconciliation. And just, just for reference, those four schools were the school of Alexandria, the Caesarean school, the school at Antioch, uh, and that's where Paul was launched from, and then also at Edessa. And these four schools focused on ultimate reconciliation, which is this idea that uh, God is going to restore all things, that all people are going to be able to have a way to connect and relate back to God. And so he's going to restore all things and reconcile all things to himself, right? Like, Scripture yeah. talks about whatever whatever that means. We can debate about what that actually looks like. There's a lot of school of thought in that specific ultimate reconciliation. Many people disagree on what even that looks like. Right. But and even that's in an the idea. ultimate reconciliation camps, there's people that yep. uh, there's that's a few issues. They go back and forth on some different things. There was one school that taught annihilationism. This was a school at Ephesus, and annihilationism basically just means that when you die, you just cease to exist if you've never made a decision to put your faith in Jesus Mm -hmm. and his finished work. And so you just cease to be, and I don't know what that really entails in depth or not, but that's kind of where they align today. That is still an accepted view. It is still like all these three thoughts that I'm getting ready to go into the ultimate reconciliation, the annihilationism, they are all taught in Mm -hmm. the academic world Mm -hmm. in the scholarly world with cited sources with scripture used in context. With great arguments. Yeah, with great arguments. And then the last one, the last school is just the school that was actually in Carthage in, in, in a town in North Africa. And they taught eternal conscious torment, which we would say is most people's view of hell today. Mm-hmm. Well, Justinian, the emperor of Rome, right? And he came in and Rome was trying to conquer the known world through all kinds of avenue, through culture, through religion, everything he actually realized that he could use eternal punishment and the fear of that. That's why I started with it's Mm -hmm. a fear-based message as a motivator. He could use this idea of eternal punishment as a way to rule or control the masses. So he actually put in place the closure of 
those other schools. And so there was one school of thought that was left remaining after about the year three or 400. And that was a school at Carthage who was controlled by Rome. Mm -hmm. And it was a school that taught eternal conscious torment. And so from that point, that's why we, through the, through the history of the church from then until now, why the overarching view of hell is this idea of eternal conscious torment and people burning Mm -hmm. forever. And Augustine went to that school and was one of the founders of really embedding this thought process into the church. Tertullian was also uh, one of the early genesis of eternal punishment and was taught in the school of Carthage as well where Augustine studied and really developed the doctrine. Uh, it's also noted in two other places that Ignatius, I think that's how you say it, Ignatius, Ignatius, Ignatius of Ignatius. Antioch, yep. he spoke of inquenchable fire in approximately 107, and Justin Martyr spoke of eternal punishment around 151 AD. All were influenced by Greek, Greek thought. thought. And so those are some of the earliest where you even get this idea of hell or eternal conscious torment. The doctrine of hell was not embraced for the first five centuries of the early church and ultimately became the invention of the Roman Catholic Church to use to motivate people to not only come and be a part of the church, but to give their money to the church so that the church could expand and thrive. Yeah, again, another way to control. Which, when you start to really unpack these, and that was just a brief overview, you could go down a ton of rabbit trails. But this should lead us to a question the question being, what would the usage of these words that get translated hell have meant to Jesus and his audience? So let's talk about the four different words that get translated as hell in our Bible. Because again, the word hell, your English word hell, it might be in your English Bible, but it's not actually in the scriptures. There are four words. We're going to unpack those. But before we unpack those, yeah. here's a great illustration to use, okay? We as Americans, we really don't do a great job of understanding what love is. And that is because in the Greek philosophy, there's actually like seven words that get translated as love. Four of them are used in scripture. Do you know these four Greek words off the I top of your I head, do. right on the spot? Let's do. do it. Yeah. What are the so four Greek words? The four Greek words are agape, uh-huh. eros, phileo, and storge. Storge. Okay, so what does phileo mean? Phileo, I mean, br- a brotherly, brotherly love. Brotherly love. Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia right? gets yeah. its its name. So this is like... A friendship okay, I, love. I love and, you, Shannon. It would yeah. be we I wouldn't use any I wouldn't use just the English word love. I would use the the specific word phileo. It describes something. Right. Eros. What does Eros mean? It's like an erotic type of love. Bow, using bow, a very bow. intimate yeah. relationship. So you would use this word towards you and Mel. Yep. What is Storge? Storge is uh like a parental love, like a love that a mother would have for her child. Like it's this special, unique mm-hmm. type of love. So you would have Storge towards your four boys. Right. And then what is agape? Agape is a God kind of love. It's undi- unconditional love. Unconditional. And I would actually argue that there are very few humans that fully grasp and give um, agape love. I would like to say that I give agape love towards my marriage, but you know, if, if circumstances happened and there was infidelity or whatnot, I hope I never have to deal with that in my life. Like, I don't know if I have the grace in my life for yeah. that. I, I never want to be put in that situation. So th- my love might be conditional. God's love is agape. Yeah, yeah. And so these But there are times we can have agape love. Sure. I just don't know if we live in it fully. Sure. But these four words are drastically different, different. explanations. Mm-hmm. Yet in the English they all get translated as love. Love. So you love pizza like you love your kids, like you love your wife, like you love God. Yep. And it doesn't do justice for what was actually being portrayed in Greek thought. The same is true 
for this word that gets translated as yeah. health. So mm-hmm. there are four words. Two of them are very similar. One is the Greek word. And one is the Hebrew. Hebrew word. And what are those? Uh, the Hebrew word is uh, Sheol. Mm-hmm. And the very similar word, of course, in the Greek is Hades. So this is the first two the words first that two. get translated yeah. as hell. And those two words simply mean the grave. That's it. When someone dies, they get put in a grave. They are in hell, in the grave. That's it. David actually uses this word when he talks about when he goes to the grave yeah. and Jesus is there. <laughs> yeah. He said, I, even if I make my deaths in hell, you are there. Yep. He's talking about... The grave. So we have a lot of different theological debates that come from that understanding. Right. Because if people think that this is a place of eternal conscious torment of people burning forever, right, in flames. But Mm -hmm. but David says, even in the depths of hell, you are there. So is Jesus there or not? Because most people would also say that this is a place that is absence of God's presence. Yep. But David says these two words. God's there. But that's. Okay. The third word is another conversation. Gehenna. Gehenna gets translated as hell. It's used 12 times in the New Testament. It's actually a literal place on earth, yep. and you have been there. I've been there. Gehenna can also be translated as the Valley of Hinnom, mm-hmm. and it's a place on the south side of southwest side of Jerusalem, and I've actually been there. Matter of fact, when I was there, I think I texted you. you I know I texted Jamie. And I just had a big smile on my face in this valley. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm in hell right now. (laughs) I'm in hell this morning. How are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, it's a literal place on earth. So the debate happens is Jesus used Gehenna as a metaphor and symbolism to the Jews. It's also uh, going back to 2 Chronicles 28.3, 2 Kings 23.10, Isaiah 66.24. It was a place to sacrifice to pagan gods, the the pagan god Malek, which Mm -hmm. required your firstborn son to be sacrificed in these flames. Jesus was also using this word to predict the 70 AD destruction, which we'll talk about in a couple coming episodes. And thousands of you are going to die because of your rebellion and desire to overthrow the Roman Empire. That's what Jesus was warning them about. Prophetically speaking to, and it actually happened. It actually happened. In 70 AD, 1.2 million Jews were slaughtered, and they were actually thrown into Gehenna, into hell, in this valley. Yep. So it's a literal place. Yeah. Now the debate happens, and this is still the debate, is people yeah. saying, was it a metaphor for also a literal place? An afterlife an destination. An afterlife destination, or was it just a metaphor for a coming destruction that of would happen AD. within their generation? Right. So again, we will give and you again, some it's, material. It's debated on both sides, and it, both yep. places have an argument and have scripture that they go to, Yep. and that's okay. And we'll give you some more material. So that's three of the words. What's the fourth one? Dump into it later. The last one is only used one time in all of scripture. It's Tartarus or Tartarus, Tartarus. I'll say Tartarus. Tartarus. That's what I did. Look it up and did the pronunciation on YouTube. It's, oh, okay. it's Tartarus. Tartarus is used once. It's found in Second Peter two four. It's actually not for humans. And the little scripture talks about it being for fallen angels and demons waiting for judgment, whatever that means. It never mentions human souls. It's also alluded to in Jude 1.6, but it's not actually the word that is said there. Um, it was used 700 years before Christ by a poet named Hesod in a poem named Theogony. Crazy. In the poem, it represents a dark place levels below Hades, the previous Greek word, and it carries the idea of eternal conscious torment. This word is borrowed from Greek mythology, but it's used to talk about angels and not humans. Wow. And so I would argue that when people hear the word hell then, of those four words that you just gave me, Corey, I would say their view or idea of hell 
is more closely related to Tartarus than anything else. Typically. And it has here, it's borrowed from Greek mythology, mm-hmm. which then we get most of our ideas from mythology, myth, mm-hmm. instead of actually going to credible sources or reliable sources or, <laughs> or well, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. We said we would come back on an in-depth conversation of this later. But it's crazy that, you know, all right, and this actually has sparked a lot of what we see and what people see in movies. Mm-hmm. And so in writings, in plays. Well, the Left Behind series did such a terrible thing for Christianity in the early 90s when those came out. And typically people have a theology or understanding of hell, and it's just left behind yeah. theory. Yeah, and not just left behind, but Hollywood. Yep. And so they have this idea that they have a picture because they've seen it. And also people's view of what hell's like is probably more closely, and this is where I was going to go, is probably more related to this play that became a famous play called Dante's Inferno. In the 15th and, or 16th century. Yeah. So like 500 years ago, mm-hmm. that that's where they get their idea and understanding of what hell's going to be like. Yep. And so the purpose of going through this is just educational. We encourage you to dive into it deeper. If you want to have conversations more, we can give you more information. We can have these conversations face-to-face. We did want to put this on podcast because these were the questions that people were asking. Well, based on our conversation last week is, do all people go to heaven? Well, what does that mean about hell? And right. I think I think you have to tackle the history and the origin of where hell even came from, because a lot of people had this ideology of this specific eternal conscious torment that wasn't really original to the early church fathers and wasn't a part of the gospel presentation for any of the disciples. That should motivate and challenge us in our gospel presentation. If you have to use hell, whether you believe in it or not, to motivate people into the arms of a loving God, then maybe you haven't met the gospel. Yeah, because it's really good news. Here's the bonus word before we give you some book recommendations. The Lake of Fire in Revelation. Actually, I just did a deep dive into this recently. The Lake of Fire, also known, could be known as the Dead Sea in Galilee. In the days of Jesus and John, what we now call the Dead Sea was referred to by some as the Lake of Fire or the Fiery Lake. And this goes back to the Genesis Pursuit by Spencer or Her Gates Will Never Be Shut by Brad Jerzyk. And that was interesting for me to go into that. Because again, the book of Revelation is apocalyptic book. It's not necessarily talking about events in our future, but was events in the future of the people that were writing it that happened in 70 AD. We're going to talk about that in our transit. We do talk about that in the book Transitioned. Yep. We will talk yep. about that in a future episode. Yeah. And we will come back to this conversation again. We just wanted to give a little bit of history, a few nuggets mm-hmm. on the context of the word hell. And we would really hope that you start studying some things out. Yep. Start going to some of these places in scripture. Start going in and researching out, well, which word is used here and why it's used. And, and possibly even more than that, um, I know you have some book recommendations, yep. right? And so we actually wanted to do this podcast now, even though we're not going to be able to continue with an in-depth series over the next few weeks because we do want to focus on transition. But hopefully this will give you a little bit of time to start doing some study, reading, researching on your own so that when we do come back to this, you will have a better understanding of of some things that we're going to be talking about. Yep. And so I have a bunch of book recommendations. I've also learned that if I give you so many book recommendations, you tend to not read any of them. So here's the only book that I would recommend on this subject right now for you to actually dive into is a book called Hell Yes, Hell No by Dr. John Noe. It is a very unbiased book. He just unpacks every place that it's used in scripture. And at the end of every chapter, he asks the question, hell yes, hell no, you decide. 
Right. And then he moves on. So I love that kind of academia. Because yeah, it doesn't give anyone's view. Because we're not, yep. even in this podcast and what we do on Sunday mornings, we're never trying to indoctrinate people. Hey, just believe what we be, believe. Right. Just look at scripture how we look at scripture. No, we want you to study on your own. We want you to have your own view and opinion based on what you feel is right and what you feel looks the most like Jesus. What? And so that's mm-hmm. why we love that book. Hell yes, hell no. You decide. So he never gives you what viewpoint to follow. He allows you as the reader to make those conclusions. And I love that. Yeah, for sure. I love that question you just asked. Whenever you're studying theology, I think the best question to ask yourself is when there's differing opinions or debates is which side looks the most like Jesus? Believe that. Yep. So some other book recommendations, Jesus Undefeated by Keith Giles, Hell's Illusion by Dr. Don Keithley. Uh, Edward Fudge has a book called The Fire That Consumes. Francis Chan has a book called Erasing Hell that he wrote in 2011 or 2012 that kind of rebuttals some of uh, the beliefs. I have it in my office. I've read it. Julie Ferwerda, I don't know how to say her last name, but Raising Hell. Thomas Thayer, The Origin and History of the Doctrines of Endless Punishment. Alan Bernstein, The Formation of Hell. And if you would rather just watch a video, there's a really cool like 15-minute video on YouTube called Hallelujah in Hell by Downside Up. You won't get answers, but there's a lot of like interesting thoughts that Mm -hmm. he leaves in that video. Hallelujah in Hell. Look it up. Yep. Very interesting. So again, hopefully this produces you to take some time, maybe produces some conversations with some people that you love. Hopefully, ultimately, we believe in just removing fear. Right. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And your Father in Heaven is ecstatic about you, loves you, desires an intimate and real relationship with you. So... Yeah. And I'm actually super excited about the next few weeks, too. And as we dive into our book, Transitioned. And until then, just remember, you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.